0: We didn't even have a name for this podcast. We had no idea what the hell we were doing. (laughs) I've had like 15 people come up to me and say that that moment where we go and buy the domain live on the podcast is like their favorite thing ever. So put the messy process into the final material and people will appreciate you for
1: it. Attention is power, and creators harness it better than anyone else, but they're not using that attention to create the biggest impact possible and are vastly undermonetized. Hi, I'm Rachel Rogers. My co-host, Nathan Barry, and I believe you can be a billion-dollar creator. Sound impossible? Over the last 10 years, we've followed each other on our own quest to build billion-dollar companies. We've studied creators and seen how entrepreneurs build traditional audiences and use them as a launching pad for a massive business. And it got us thinking, if it can happen for them, it can happen for us. And if it can happen for us, then why not you? Billion Dollar Creator is a show teaching creators how to capture attention and turn it into real wealth. We will deep dive into brands, celebrities, and entrepreneurs who have done it before and show you how you can apply it to your business as an everyday creator. Join us weekly as we learn from both the wild successes and the missed opportunities, the grand gestures, and the integral mistakes. And through that, help you become an expert at building your audience on your journey as a billion-dollar creator.
0: Do you know who Ali Abdaal is? Are you familiar with his stuff?
1: I am, but only because you told me about him and his podcast a couple weeks ago. And then I think Sahil mentioned it on the New York episode that we did.
0: Yep, because they have business together and, and all of that. And then when we were kicking this off, I was recording with Ollie at his studio in London, which was really fun. But Ollie just launched this thing called Light Mode, which I saw it this morning and I was like, oh, this is a billion dollar creator playbook. And we got to talk about it.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. So Light Mode is... He talks about it as a new business for like productivity products, which I think is interesting. It's not him going down the path of like making one product. He's got all these tools that he wants to make around productivity. And the first one is this mechanical keyboard. He've talked about how everything in the productivity world is like either gamer focused or like business nerd focused. Mm. And so gamer is like this dark aesthetic, you know, everything is is black and a certain look and all that, right?
1: Black and and red in particular. Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's neon going on as well. And, you know, it's a certain look to it. Or if you're like, this is the most optimal way to type and to do everything else in productivity, it's like IBM or Microsoft (laughs) aesthetic. Yes. And so he has this new brand, Light Mode, which I love that he owns lightmode.com. Like you can tell he's making like a real brand out of this. And their first product is this mechanical keyboard, which I am not a keyboard nerd, but talking to people, we have people on the team at ConvertKit who are like really into mechanical keyboards and how they sound when you type and customizing them and everything else. I just thought this was super interesting because he's got this video where he's talking through it. He just like introduces the brand in a really casual way. But yes. where he's going is trying to make some of the best and most beautiful, I think he says beautiful like 14 times in that video, but tools for you know productivity and starting with a mechanical keyboard. So anyway, I was like, I love it. Anytime a creator has a big YouTube following, so he has like four million followers on wow. YouTube for productivity. And then he's not saying like, oh, I'm, you know, just going to do a course. I'm going to do this other thing. He's like, how do I build what I think is going to be an iconic brand? Like I I see this, I'm like, ooh, this brand has legs. So anyway, I thought that was super cool.
1: Very interesting. I love it. I love the design of it. I like the colors. The mechanical Mm -hmm. keyboard, I guess it's like giving you the feeling of typing on a typewriter, but you're still using your laptop or desktop or whatever. Is that what that is? Yeah. And
0: you can, they're supposed to be like the most ergonomic and they have the the exact right feedback on the keys and then you can customize them. Like you can take off all the keycaps and change it around.
1: Wow. Someone's
0: going to skewer us. Who's like, no, but here's everything that mechanical keyboards do. I'm like, I don't know, but I know that people think this is really cool. (laughs) and uh, yes they get really into it what's the price point do you know yeah it was interesting it's 159 so he talks about it in the video how they're going not bottom end but not also like i think you can spend like a thousand dollars on a mechanical keyboard yes and so they're trying to make it he has some interesting phrasing of like it's your first one if you want to invest a little bit or it's a good first upgrade if you're like you got one that was cheap and you're like okay but now i want one this
1: yeah. Like I want a quality. better one. I like it. I like it. So he's making it like accessible to the people and he's thinking about the price point in terms of who's in his audience, which is exactly what mm-hmm. he should be doing. Cause you know, you can either go for higher volume, right. Or you can go for maybe less people buy it, but it's more lux item. So that's really interesting. That'll be fun to watch. And we have to have him on the podcast maybe early next year and see how it's yeah. Been going.
0: Yeah. Cause between this and then the, YouTube Studio that he's doing with Sahil Bloom called Hey Friends. Yes. He's got and that and courses, right? He's making like 4 or 5 million dollars a year selling his various courses. It's just it's impressive. I'm like, you can tell he's thinking about it in the billion dollar creator mindset of like, okay, yes. what can I channel this into? And I think yes. my favorite thing, I mentioned this earlier, but is how he's building like the brand. Like I can tell this is a brand. It's not like, oh, here's a mechanical keyboard that we're making. And then here's something else that we'll do next. You can tell it's like, no, this is just the first product of the brand. And that's more important than the individual product. And so I think it'll, I think it really has legs.
1: Yes, I think so too. I like the branding of it. I like the look of it. And I like the long-term plays, you know, like he could sell a lot more courses. Like this is Q4, Mm -hmm. it's December. He could sell a ton of courses right now at the end of the year. Or he could focus on launching this new physical product. Maybe people give it as gifts to some of their entrepreneurial friends or whatever, or a gift to themselves, but then building that company to be the big play, which is exciting. So I think that this is a great time to experiment and try things, you know, especially like if there's a quote unquote recession or the market is down, like that's when a lot of great companies are made. So I feel like it's a good time to try things, right? There's a lot of people who don't have much to lose. Like if your numbers are down or things are flat, it's like you might as well try something new and see what happens.
0: I agree. Speaking of trying something new, we're back from a five-city tour. We finished all of that. Should we yes. recap that and just talk through, I don't know, was it worth it? Did Would we do yeah. it again? With You know, all of those things.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. I would definitely do it again. Same. I would change some things for sure. But I actually love being scrappy. I actually, we just did annual planning for my company a couple weeks ago. And one of the things I think I'm adding it literally to our company values because I'm so obsessed with it, which is being scrappy. Like there's something about that that really appeals to me. So I love the idea of just starting something, doing it messy, doing it ugly and trying it and then working out the details Mm -hmm. as we go and learning. Because the amount of information you get back so quickly, like how long would it take for us to get that much feedback about the podcast right? If we were just doing episodes and waiting to get new listeners, but actually going out there, bringing people together, getting real-time feedback, that was extremely valuable to me. Yeah. So we
0: had an advantage going in that we both already have audiences, right? The podcast itself does not have an audience, but we separately have audiences. And so that allowed us to have, you know, at least a hundred plus people show up in every city that we did. Yes, So that was really good. I think what you said about the feedback loop, I really like because I think podcasts normally have a terrible feedback loop, like almost a non-existent one. You have to either actively solicit feedback, which I posted on Twitter yesterday. Twitter? X? I don't know, whatever. I posted on that (laughs) (laughs) that platform yesterday. I'm like, hey, what feedback do you have for me on the podcast? Because, you know, otherwise you just don't naturally get it. I'm like, hey, I want to solicit unsolicited feedback. But with the tour, people would say like, oh, this was really great. You get to talk to them in real time or even... Like getting to see their heads nod along as, like, when the guest was sharing something insightful and someone's like nodding along or taking notes, and you're like, oh, this is good. Cool. (laughs) I I felt like it was good, but I'm glad that I can see on your face that this is a, a valuable thing.
1: Yeah, getting the immediate laughs, watching them take notes. Just having them yell at certain parts and get like really hype and excited. All of that was perfect to just know what's working. Sometimes too, like we're talking about like complex business ideas and I Mm -hmm. worry sometimes that I don't want it to go over people's heads. I want to make sure my audience is with me always, right? Like I'm not running ahead and leaving them behind and I could see that they were. So that was really good too, to see that like, yes, some of this is kind of complicated to think about. People are interested in these deeper conversations and more complex conversations. So that was good information to have as well. Yeah. So when we last
0: talked about the tour, I think we'd done New York and Nashville maybe, but we hadn't. So since then, we've done New Orleans, which was on the main stage at FinCon. So that was in front of a thousand people. That was like not our own event. That was, that was fantastic, but it was a different experience and, and really cool. And then we did Austin and LA in the same week. So I guess some of the the lessons from that, one of the first ones for me is that it's a ton of logistics. I think I underestimated yes. how, like how much work would need to go into it because we were trying mm-hmm. to do so many things, right? We were trying to do a live event, which is one set of logistics. Yes. Of like, can everyone pay attention live and all of that. We were trying to record it, which adds this whole other element into it. And then we wanted a meetup afterwards and then we wanted a mastermind beforehand. And like each one <laughs> had its own set of needs. Like if you're optimizing mm-hmm. just for that one thing, you would do a specific set of decisions and we're yes. like, okay, so we want this and that. And then we said to our teams and especially to Haley, who is uh, yes. our events producer, <laughs> like bless her. She was amazing. <laughs> but we just told her like, okay, Haley, here's what we want. Like make it happen. And I think it was really tough to fit all of that into the same venue and to make all of that happen together.
1: For sure. Shout out to Haley. She's the real MVP of this podcast for sure. (laughs) (laughs) She held it all together. But yes, and it's different venues worked in different ways. Like some were better than others. I think out of all of the venues, my favorite was Austin. Austin was Mm -hmm. the best one. I really enjoyed, you know, the marquee outside. That was great. (laughs) And just the setup. It was not ideal for the mastermind, but it was ideal for the podcast, the live show, and then the meetup afterwards. So I really loved that. But yes, there's a lot of data to review. I definitely have edits that I would make. Well, first of all, I would charge more for the tickets.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We charged $39 for anyone listening.
1: And I thought that was reasonable. And I mean, we weren't really trying to break even or whatever. We just wanted people to come out. I think in the future, I would do maybe 95 and just make it a little bit higher so that, you know, like I want to start to have a pot that we're working from to produce Mm -hmm. the podcast. So 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 that was interesting. It's not just basic scrappy Like, yes, exactly. Yeah. We started with scrappy and, you know, use, you you know, using our own funds or whatever, but now it's like scrappy plus break even, you know what I mean? would be nice.
0: (laughs) We probably spent five to $10,000 out of pocket, probably $10,000 out of pocket for every stop before paying for our our team salaries. Cause we'd bring in, you know, three to $7,000 in ticket sales, four to 7,000. In ticket sales. And then you can drop a ton of money beyond that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like covering drinks and all the things. And honestly, I have zero regrets. Like I just think going forward, I would Mm -hmm. I want to elevate the experience a little bit. So I always want more capital to work with so that we can elevate the experience and just I also am very into event choreography. Like I want this is happening first, then this, then that. Mm -hmm. So I would tighten up the choreography a little bit, like who's introducing us and where are we coming to the stage from and what happens when the podcast is over, who steps onto the stage to take over, right? Like all, I like all of that mapped out and just seamless and beautiful, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, thinking about, I I think most venues we were pulling together, who's going to do the introductions like half an hour Um, before.
1: (laughs) 10 minutes before. I mean, you know,
0: that was one. I feel like Robert, in New York really set the bar. Now he's like a professional performer. Like he's world-class in what he does. (laughs) So I would hate to be compared to him in any way, (laughs) but just (laughs) the way that he was going to people and saying like, you know, before the show, you all have to subscribe right now. And then afterwards, the way that he's like somewhere between requiring, guilting, you know, cajoling, (laughs) whatever, getting people to like, but he's like, you just listen to a whole, episode of the show live so like write a review and he did it in a really fun way and i think he said like and we did this at other tour stops as well where it's like hey if you want a drink instead of drink tickets it was like go to the bartender and show me that you have rated or reviewed the show actually in austin i went to go get a drink after the show and the bartender's like so have you rated or reviewed the show i'm like well i'm I'm on it (laughs) Like, I'm on the show and she's like, cool, I'm happy for you. Have you rated or reviewed the show? <laughs> so I had to pull out Spotify and show that, yes, I had given five stars to my own
1: podcast. <laughs> Listen, it's a good point. Why not? Right? Why yep. not?
0: You I gotta was kind of proud of her for that she had pushed that hard, that, you know, for everyone to uh, I'm impressed as
1: well. <laughs> <laughs> was- I also thought the masterminds were great. As well, we did a mastermind for about four hours each time with like a handful of invited folks, anywhere from like 15 to 25, I feel like we had in the room. And those were great. I feel like between the podcast conversations... And then also the mastermind. I was like taking pages of notes and had my own insights about my business to go home and apply after every tour stop. So even from that perspective, it's almost like this mini... It was like a mini mastermind. Not just the mastermind part, but also the podcast conversation and just insights that I'm getting listening to our guest or you or even hearing myself give advice that i need to go home and take you know (laughs) yes exactly
0: (laughs) and (laughs) you should do this and by you i guess oh shoot i mean me okay (laughs) yes i guess it applies to me too how annoying (laughs) yeah we both really liked the annual planning session or like the not even annual planning the three to five year planning session that tim grahl led at our nashville mastermind we both took a ton of notes
1: that was one of my absolute favorites. And the notes that I took from that is actually what I presented as my vision for my annual planning that I did for my company. Cause in that process, he's like, you know, we're talking about like 10X in your company. What does it look like to 10X it? And I just reverse engineered 10Xing it. And so by the end of that exercise, I had my 10X plan. So I'm like, okay, great. Well, now I'm prepared for annual planning. <laughs>
0: Wonderful! <laughs> Listen, everyone, our mastermind is so good that even as we teach and lead it, we're the ones who get the most out of it.
1: <laughs> Literally. And that was interesting. At the LA stop, someone came up to me and said, I would have paid thousands of dollars for this. Yeah. Like this was so incredibly valuable for me. So, so yeah, well, maybe the, next year. The funny you're... thing is,
0: yeah, you pulled her. <laughs> and you were like, come over and tell Nathan this because I've been the one who's like, <laughs> no let's not charge for it right because you and i are both in the position that our businesses make a good amount of money and we don't need this to to make money in itself right yeah and so i was you were saying we should charge for this because this is really good and i was like no like we charge for other things let's just pour this back into you know our community and all that And so what was interesting then when you pulled her over and she was like, I've, you know, she basically reinvented her whole business in that four hour session and had like clear actionable plans of how to do it and had met 15 or 20 other creators that, you know, I like watched her getting everyone else's contact info and all of that. And so that was a good reminder of like, okay, yeah, we could legitimately charge, you know, a thousand to $3,000 for this. And people would probably show up more professionally, like, and get more out of it (laughs) and all of that. But you know what? Yes. Say what you're gonna say, and then I wanna dive into why like what I realized my resistance was.
1: Yes. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. You know, I've heard actually on your podcast, Laura Roder say value for value, right? So (laughs) we're providing value so we get value in exchange and that makes it that just makes it an even exchange which makes sense but even beyond that right otherwise the it's almost like the opportunity can be wasted on people if they don't recognize the value of the moment right so even being on your phone when you have all these dope creators you're sitting next to somebody who just sold their company for you know eight figures right and you're sitting next to somebody else who has millions of followers on YouTube and somebody else who is just building a dope agency you have so much opportunity here and you're on your phone, right? Like right. when you've paid money, when you've paid 5 k for the experience, you're not going to be on your phone. You're going to be fully focused. You're going to think about how you want to prepare for the moment before you get there. And even for us, right? If we sell it, right, and have people pay for it, we can also have a survey going out saying, okay, what's the status of your business? What's going on for you? We can customize and tailor the content to fit the people who are coming. We know the people are going to show up, they're not going to cancel last minute. And then we could also elevate the experience, which, you know, I always want to elevate the experience. (laughs) So I think those are all really good reasons to charge for the mastermind.
0: Yeah. What was interesting to me is realizing about halfway through, or I guess it was after you had the conversation with the the attendee who was saying, we should definitely charge. And I I don't know if it was later that night or the next day or what, but we were chatting about, I guess it wouldn't have been the next day because you flew home at like midnight that night out of LA. (laughs)
1: Oh, my God. I was like... Worst <laughs> flight that I've taken in literal years. That was the... I won't even tell you why it was terrible, but it was.
0: Yeah. That, <laughs> there was just that moment. You had this long line of people talking to you. It's uh, like 10 o'clock at night at the meetup. You talk to yes. basically everyone there, but you still have like eight more people that want to talk to you. I'm in the middle of a conversation. realize like, wait, Rachel needs to be at the airport right now. <laughs> like, <around>, i like, Rachel... <laughs> Like, I, this is great, but you need to go.
1: Yes. Thank God. Yes. You were—you got me out of there. You were like, you have to be responsible and leave right now. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and then even then someone was like, okay, but one more photo. And I was like, all right. And then get out of here. No, so the realization that I had is a lot of my resistance to charging for the mastermind meant that I would need to show up differently and deliver at a different level. Because yes. I was able to have a bit of a cop out. Right. Like Mm. no one's, I know my content is good and I can show up and teach it off of the fly. And so, and no one's paying for it, right? This is all free. And so I can, their expectations are here. I can make sure that I exceed the expectations with not that much work or preparation. But as we're teaching like this, the fly content, what I found myself wanting is like worksheets and like a workbook and other content to go with it. And, you know, printouts and well-designed and produced material. Yeah, And I felt like my slides were good, but the experience delivered, maybe the end result for many people was worth many thousands of dollars, but the experience was not worth that much of how mm. it was packaged. And that was fine with me because they didn't pay for it. And so right. immediately, if you came and said, Hey, this is $3,000 per person, they're paying almost a thousand dollars an hour to be here, <laughs> you know, or $500 yes. an hour or whatever, then I'd go, oh shit, I have to level up my game in a huge way. And that was my resistance is that I didn't feel like I had time to do that, even though I absolutely want to. And when I realized that, I was like, well, yeah, I want this to be world-class content. So let me charge for it. So I forced myself to show up with the level of preparation and material and handouts and details. So I know you're going to get that much value from
1: it. Exactly. And here's what I would argue. I would argue all of the work, all of the preparation has already been done in building ConvertKit, right? Like all of the learning that you've had, all of the experiences of building your business. Same for me, right? So it's like it's 10 plus years of entrepreneurial experience and results and success that you're bringing to the table that I think is more valuable to them than your preparation. You know, I think the time itself and the insights that you just naturally already have in your brain are worth that worth charging for already. And also too, like even just like the workbooks and all that can be outsourced because the content is really created already pretty much it's just about downloading it and putting it into like you said just a little bit of prep and even some of the spaces like there was one room where it was all windows which seems like a great idea natural light beautiful right but then like there, someone sitting in direct sun you know like, just while trying to learn <laughs>
0: exactly. welcome to los angeles venice beach <laughs> please roast in this spot of sunlight yeah
1: Yes, yes. So, So. yeah, I think that there's so much opportunity to... I feel like basically we had a meeting on our flight from Austin to LA. And yes. I feel like what we've done is maybe potentially by accident, we went to start a podcast and we've accidentally started another <laughs> business. <laughs> Which
0: is the last thing that you or I need right now. <laughs> but yes, we did.
1: It's absolutely hilarious, but it makes perfect sense because I'm like, oh, clearly we need to create a billion dollar creator playbook because Mm -hmm. we're taking in all this information, right? We're gathering all these examples and then there's like this criteria, you know, and then we're even refining the criteria. And so we're like, clearly there needs to be that playbook. And then I'm like, well, if we're going to do masterminds, let's do a mastermind where we walk everybody through that billion dollar creator playbook and a step-by-step process to like find the billion-dollar creator opportunities within their current company. So yeah, I think it just needs to happen. Well,
0: on that note, the day after we did the LA tour stop, I went down to Long Beach to Tiago Forte's studio. So he has yes. the course and book, Building a Second Brain. Just amazing content. He's built his business to a few million dollars a year in revenue. And he said, hey, why don't we, instead of doing a, like a regular interview, right? Where you came on, I interview you, all that. Why don't we do it as a live coaching session? He's like, here's where I'm at in my business. Here's where I'm trying to get to the the next level. And you do a teardown on it. Give me feedback. I'll share all of my numbers and all of that. And we'll record it. So he, I showed up at his production studio. He had a whiteboard there and we like wrote out the numbers and mapped out his business and walked through the billion dollar creator methodology. And, you know, it was fascinating how quickly we came to the problem in that he doesn't have recurring revenue in his business.
1: Wow. He
0: had the other tenants, right? He was selling a product rather than attention. He'd built much more than a personal brand and he did not have recurring revenue. And when I walked him through this, I was just like, Oh, like this is it. And we dove into fixing that. We copied over some, some playbooks from, you know, what you've done at hello seven, what the executive coaches have done. And at reboot, like in their mm-hmm. business model. And so it was like yes. showing him kind of borrowing from a few of these different models. And he's now got a really clear plan to scale from 2 million to 10 million a year in revenue. And we decided like, Hey, we'll at that point we'll revisit, you know, the 10 million to a hundred million. But yes. it just made me realize how much the training and material matters to like really break it down. Cause then to hammer it home, I was in the Uber backup to uh, Venice and my friend Daryl, who he introduced us, he played Robert at the Nashville tour stop. But he texted yes. me and he's like, hey, what material are you going to create? What educational content are you going to create around billion dollar creator? And then I'm still like, uh, probably nothing. I don't know. <laughs> I have a full-time <laughs> job. <laughs> <laughs> but just realizing like, we can create this material to really take people through it in a detailed way. So we, we've got to do more of that. And I think what it's going to yeah. come down to is like workshopping it live on the podcast. And then having our team members who can package it up and turn it into the concrete material and like these are the steps that you should go through.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. I think it'll be awesome. I'm excited for more of the coaching on the podcast. We did that with Paula Pant in New Orleans and people really responded to that. She got so much value from it, but then the audience came up to us after and they were like, that was absolutely amazing. And for people to just see like, you have a 2 million dollar business or you have a 200,000 dollar business and the opportunity to create a much bigger business is right there. You know, you mm-hmm. just have to see it and step into it and sometimes it's hard to see when you're in it, you know, and getting outside of it and also just learning how to think bigger, like it's all the value of coaching and education, right? So, I'm excited that we've challenged people to think bigger. I'm also excited that people some people hate us for it. It's great. Like <laughs> That we've makes me happy.
0: <laughs> there, there have been a few more think pieces that have come out about why you know I don't know we're, yes. what's wrong with society right now, but you know what I'm okay with. Was what's wrong with society? That,
1: that's I'm fine. okay with it as well because I think we're encouraging people to right see the full value of what they're creating and get paid what based on that value that they're creating. Yeah. I think we're helping good people earn more money so they can do good things with that additional money, right? Like just like we have a lot of wealthy people, some of them make decisions that are bad for society or for our climate or whatever, and we need good people who have money who can make good decisions about, you know, for our society, climate, etc. So, I'm excited to be helping creators get more money in their hands and I'm okay with taking some heat as part of it. I actually find (laughs) it entertaining and fun. And also too, I feel like we're here for the ambitious people, for the people who are like, I know I'm meant for more. I know I can Mm -hmm. do more. I know I can create more value for people and I'm missing a piece and I just need to put that piece in place so that I can feel like I can get to where I'm trying to go. So we're filling that need and I think that's amazing.
0: Yep. I like it. Okay. A couple other quick takeaways for me. I don't think I realized how hard recording a podcast in front of a live audience, how hard that actually is and <laughs> how not showing up and sitting down and talking and whatever else, but the AV side of it, yeah, right? Like it's serving a bunch of different needs. And then even little things where you're like, oh, we're, we're filming all of it. And so we want a camera to be able to show who's asking the question, you know, make yes. sure the audio is good from the Q and a. And that's really hard to do. And no AV team that we hired had a clue what they were doing, right? <laughs> as far as the combination of this, they were like, okay, cool. So you want a mic. So do this. I'm like, well, no, but we also want to, we actually want three mics simultaneously. And well, four with the audience mic. And then we want to record all of that into one system and going from here. And so this is another time that that Haley and uh, people that she pulled together like figured it all out. And we ended up just building... Like part way through the podcast tour, we built our own kit that mm. we, we just traveled with. Right. And yes. you know, we're wheeling these pelican cases. Like when we went to Cody Sanchez's office to record the episode with her. Yes. First of all, like we're like, keep texting to push our flight back because we're like, we're not going <laughs> to, this is taking too long. But, you know, to be able to roll in with a full, basically a full studio setup. And that came yes. from trial and error and realizing that, like, okay. The hotel AV team or whoever you bring in doesn't know how to do any of this. And we basically have yes. to learn it ourselves and make our own playbook.
1: Yep, exactly. And, you know, the podcast has sounded great. So the fact that we've successfully pulled it off, and by, when I say we, I mean you and your team, because I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> if it was dependent on me, it would be a disaster. Tom, who's our head of social media, he knows audio
0: and video really well. And he came to the Austin event and he leveled up some things yes. there or like Alyssa, who's our head of all things, creator growth uh, and has a podcast herself. Her husband runs a recording studio in Nashville. And so his name is Thomas. And we were like, (laughs) you know, Haley was making calls and like, Thomas, okay, how do I do this one thing? And it's like, all right. (laughs) You know. Yes. It was good.
1: Gotta rely. You rely on the community, right? This is why networking is so important. So you have people to call when you hit a snag.
0: (laughs) Yes. So I think overall on the tour would 100% do it again. Were there any other things that you would change or do differently? Or did we hit all of them?
1: Schedule. I would change the schedule, which you know, because I complained about it the whole time. (laughs) You don't want to just do meetings all morning, teach a mastermind all afternoon, and then
0: roll into a live podcast followed by four more hours of networking. What's wrong with the 18 hour day, Rachel? What's the problem?
1: I'm like, surely there's a better way. I clearly am very pampered at this point. (laughs) But, and also too, just the travel, like traveling in, jumping time zones. And then sometimes I was traveling in the morning of, and then going right into, we met for an hour to like game plan that we were right into the mastermind for four hours. Then, You have like five minutes to change and like, you know, put on lipstick if you're me. And then you are in front of an audience, right? So it was just like one thing after another. So schedule-wise, my preference would be that day one is all about the podcast. And we just focus Mm. only on the podcast. Maybe even have a little happy hour beforehand. I want people drinking before they listen to me talk. They'll laugh at my jokes more. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then afterwards, having more networking... I think could be great. And then I would do the mastermind the next morning and then have like a sort of, I don't know, 10 to one or 10 to two mastermind the next day. So that day one, we could just be hyper-focused on the podcast. And then day two, we have this amazing mastermind after being inspired by the podcast conversation. That would be my... Right. I think we
0: could get more... We could get further in the mastermind if we weren't introducing some of the concepts. Like we know that everyone there had listened to the the episode the night before. For me, there's a tension between like the best experience when we're there, both for us yep. and for attendees. Like attendees, mm-hmm. we're going to take care of that. And I put that first. I think I'm still more in the like sacrifice my life to minimize. I'm like trying to minimize the way, time away from home, which I know you are too. Yes, And then I'm at least these last, like for a few of these tour stops, I was just absolutely packing in everything I could. You know, and I think that week, the Austin LA week, I think I recorded like seven, eight podcast interviews, three were a billion dollar creator. And then the rest were going on other shows and, and just like constantly. Yeah, I got a ton done. And so I think it was that balance of like, is this going to wear me out and Mm. make it less enjoyable as I do all of this. Or is this like, no, this is what I'm signing up for. And like, you know, I've got three kids at home. And so I'm going to try to be totally focused on family and growing the company when I'm at home and then totally switch into, you know, like network community mode for five days and then sleep on the plane on the way home.
1: (laughs) Well, also too, like at some point you have to get the rest in, right? So when you come home from that trip, did you still feel – did you feel like you needed a day or two to rest? Or did you feel like you were right into family mode and energized for family mode?
0: I felt like I needed rest. And I definitely did the like pretend I have more energy than I do. (laughs) And then 8.30 rolled around her.
1: And and it was like, all right. And everybody's off to bed and everyone (laughs) includes me. (laughs) I've definitely done that where I wore myself out on a business trip and then got home and pretended I had all the energy in the world for my children oh, yeah. when I just really needed a nap so bad. <laughs>
0: but I think consciously so, realizing that you need to do that because you're like, okay, yes. what's the experience that I want my kids to have? They yes. can have the experience that not only is mom or dad gone, but then when they come back, they're out of energy, which is an authentic yes. experience, right? <laughs> where you're like, okay. Yes. No, actually what we're going to do is I'm going to show up and give you a ton of energy. And then, you know what? We're not going to like be like, "Oh, I'm exhausted, so I guess we'll watch a movie." We're going to be like, "We're doing family movie night." You know, it's like yeah, the same exactly. thing, with like very you different. Sell it. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, they'll be thrilled regardless, but like that experience of like, "Wow, I come back and I feel really sp- or, you know, dad comes back and I feel really special." And you know, prioritized, even though I'm annoyed at the time you spent gone or whatever. And then realizing that, like the kids will go to bed relatively early and, you know, yeah, you <laughs> can go to bed then too. I,
1: I think there's a happy medium there where there's like doing the work, building in some rest for yourself and then having energy for your family as well. You know, like right. may, is it worth it to like, for example, what I did, I got on a flight immediately following the happy hour, I was exhausted. I took a red eye. It was a terrible red eye (laughs) for a myriad of reasons. And then, you know, I got home, was absolutely exhausted, but I powered through the evening and then fell asleep. Like I got home the next day, the next afternoon, you know, because going from LA to Puerto Rico, it's a far trip. Like it was going to suck no matter what I did. But anyway, was that worth it or would have been better for me to get some sleep? fly home friday power through all day friday i would have missed friday night and then been fresh for saturday and rested i don't know it's a tension that i think every creator entrepreneur who's a parent can relate to and i think depending on the trip we make different decisions you know but it also there's also a tension between doing the thing and then selling the thing or marketing the thing right like right putting the effort into creating the product or delivering the best product possible. But then you were also marketing the product, right? Because you were recording podcasts, other podcasts where you're promoting, you know, part of that is promoting the Billion Dollar Creator podcast while you're on other podcasts. So it's like, do we just prioritize doing the thing and that's it and then go home and rest and be with our families? Or do we do the thing, market? sleep. right? And there's different times for different things. This is a new baby, right? Like it's a new Mm -hmm. project. And so it's going to require more effort. And that's what I said at the beginning because there was one point where Nathan texted me and was like, should we just cancel this whole tour? Why are we doing this? Our families are going to be annoyed. (laughs) I did send that text. (laughs) And I'm like, you are correct. Our families are going to be annoyed. We are going to be even annoyed at some point. (laughs) But with a new thing to get it off the ground, right? It's just like a flywheel. It takes more effort in the beginning. Yeah. But then it starts to just spin. So I think this was that extra effort. And there was huge wins as part of it. There was some downside. But I feel like there was more upside than downside for this tour. Yeah. And I think there's ways to optimize and get it better. And I think it's just sometimes we're going to put a ton of effort in and go really hard and exhaust ourselves. And sometimes we're going to be like, yeah, I'm going to sleep. And then I'm going to take my ass home. <laughs> right.
0: You know, one thing that I would do differently, as you mentioned <laughs> a
1: flywheel, I realized where our flywheel
0: was broken is around creating the video content as we went. Yes. We got it dialed in to, to capture all of the footage and your team did a good job of creating some reels. When we had Sanira on in Nashville you know, she had a great reel after the the event. I realized I didn't put any infrastructure in behind the scenes with a video team to like quickly turn around video content that would build the hype for future events. So like, I didn't post a single reel or, you know, a YouTube video or any of that. And that's something, you know, even as we're recording this, we just got our video team up and running to, to launch the video version of the podcast. So yes. like if anyone's listening very soon, if you go to billion com, there will be a link to the YouTube channel and where you can, you know, follow and subscribe there. But that's something that we were so busy doing all of this that we missed that, which is really like a third to half of the podcast, is the clips and the the video side. And yes. so ideally we would have done that sooner because what we did. Right. And all this will roll out over time. So it's, it's totally fine. Like we didn't lose it other than maybe a little bit of momentum, but we ultimately created what will be an incredible amount of great video content. Yeah. And then we were missing the video step in the production flywheel and that's when we're like, okay, big lesson learned. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. We both have like decent sized teams. And so we were both like, okay, there's no one person that's perfect for taking this over. So we just kept adding more people. So we had a Slack channel at one point with like 35 people in it and nobody knows who's doing what, who's actually in charge, you know. So that's the part of being scrappy is like you just start and you just get it done. And it's sloppy and messy. And then you realize where all the mess is. And one of the things Haley did was create like a step by step process for the podcast. Yep. So there's, you know, we launched it ugly. So y'all in episode three, you got l- to listen to us. Like we didn't even have a name for this podcast. We had no idea what the hell we were doing. <laughs>
0: I've had like 15 people come up to me and say that that moment where we go and buy the domain live on the podcast is like their favorite thing ever. So put the messy process into the final material and people will appreciate you for it.
1: Yes, exactly. Because it's real, right? It's showing like this is actually what it looks like. It's messy, but it's also been super fun and very rewarding. Just hearing, you know, we've gotten emailed feedback, reading some of the reviews, so that's been awesome. But yes, it is. It was a bit of a hot mess, and we already have plenty of things to do. And we chose the busiest quarter of the <laughs> of the year to choose to do it. <laughs> We nailed it, Nathan.
0: You know, (laughs) entrepreneurs are not always the best at planning. So we'll just roll with that stereotype.
1: But you know, we do Uh, have, we have vision and we get it done, you know? so That's right. There's that. We do.
0: So yeah, we did five tour stops. That went well. We're on a break for a little while, Ross and Rachel style. No, just kidding. And uh, the next tour stop is at ROI, which is your conference in Puerto Rico. What are the dates on that? I'm going, but tell me the dates. (laughs)
1: <laughs> January 17th through the 19th. I'm really excited. So our guest for the Billion Dollar Creator podcast will be Jackie Aina. And okay. she is she's a huge YouTuber, massive YouTube following, and is running the Billion Dollar Creator playbook with her own products. So I'm excited to talk to her about her content that she she creates. I mean, it might as well be a TV show. Like it's so high quality. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited to interview her. So that'll be the episode in January. You should join us. If you go to Hello7.co slash ROI, you can still get tickets for that for the next week or two. And then we're also going to Craft and Commerce next year, where we're gonna do an episode at your event in Boise in June. Yep. So I'm excited to Yeah, that'll for be that June fifth to
0: eighth. So and I think we'll get some other tour stops in there. We'll we'll see how the rest of the year fills out and then We'll probably do a few more stops
1: and get some more yes. masterminds in and all that. We discussed four, and I think that we should really make that our max. <laughs> we'll see what happens, y'all. Of course, it'll wind up being 10, you know, or something yep. ridiculous.
0: <laughs> you know, the other thing that I appreciated from Haley is like her focus on pinning us down on things. Like she was kept asking yes. one of us like, hey, what about this or what about that? And then when she had us together on the flight from Austin to LA, she was like, all right, I have a doc you have said this and you have said that. And we're going to reconcile all of this in the three <laughs> hours before this plane touches down.
1: <laughs> yes. And it was really good. W- it was really good. And one of the things that we talked about doing that y'all can look forward to is creating an opt-in, like creating a download, like some cool content from the podcast related to the billion dollar creator you know, process that you can download. So that's something that's on our to-do list. And then potentially planning some more masterminds for next year as well. So yep, that'd be good. If there's something else you want us to do, let us know. We also want to do a little bit of coaching of some entrepreneurs and, and live help on the show. Yes, exactly. So we probably should create like some kind of survey or form for people to apply for that. We'll get around. I'll to Tell you it. what,
0: we'll, we'll make one and we'll put it on billion dollar where you can apply. We'll have some threshold. I don't know. You got to be already making 250,000 a year or already having a, have a sizable audience. And then we'll yes. brainstorm how to take that to the, you know, 10 million and beyond, 100 million level.
1: Yes. I'm excited about right. that. That's going to be fun.
0: <laughs> Clearly, the survey already exists. Uh, <laughs> Headingdollarcreator.com. You know, we have what, four days before this episode drops. So, no problem. It'll happen.
1: <laughs> we'll get right on that.
0: <laughs> All right. Speaking of the episode, let's wrap up by talking about two different creators that we both have been intrigued by. Uh, I'll go yes. first and talk about Mark Rober. He is, how old is he? He's probably 40. Somewhere in there, so he is a, like scientist and engineer. He worked at NASA for years, worked on like some big projects like the Mars rover and stuff like that. And then he ended up working at Apple for a few years, and now he's full time on his own thing. He's built a YouTube channel about like science and physics and all of these fun things to twenty eight million subscribers. So he is wow massive, and his projects. He'll have things like, so first, my kids absolutely love his content. Like my four-year-old is like, Dad, can we watch a Mark Robert video? I'm like, sure, why not?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna, especially gonna, interested now that it works for kids. Yeah, I'm definitely going to yeah. listen and watch.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very much kid-focused content, which is interesting to me. Like that has a massive audience. We're all over here. Like we're going to teach business on the internet, you know? And like the audience <laughs> is very small. You know, you think yes. like food bloggers, they serve a much bigger audience, right? Like people who want to cook is way bigger than like niche internet business and then you know up from there when you're like teaching science to children in a fun entertaining way like massive audience and turns out 28 million subscribers so he'll do these crazy projects like one of my favorites is he made a dartboard that has motion capture on it and all the physics so if you throw a dart it will automatically move to catch the dart exactly in the center
1: that's wild. I'm obsessed. And then he like walks
0: through, like not step by step of how to build it. Cause it's crazy complicated, but like why certain things work. And he introduces computer vision and all these things. And then he adds another element to it where it has like facial recognition. So if he throws a dartboard at the dart, it's perfect. But then like he goes on Jimmy Kimmel's show and Jimmy Kimmel throws a dart and it like deliberately moves out of the way. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so Mark can't miss and Jimmy Kimmel can't, you know, even get on the dartboard. <laughs> so he does these projects and the channel grows. And I was watching an interview with him and he talked about how early on 90%, well, early on, maybe up through 20, I think 2020. And so probably the first five, six years of the channel, 90% of the revenue was from sponsorships. And then 10% was from YouTube ads, like the algorithm driven mm. ads. And then as the views got huge, that switched where 60% was from YouTube ads. And I didn't realize how big that could be, you know, and then 40% yeah. was from sponsorships. But what I thought was really interesting is he used to always have, you know, a range of sponsors, like, you know, I don't know if you ever had like the VPNs or Squarespace or some of these brands that you see on a lot of podcasts or uh, yes. YouTube channels, but he had one in particular that was a monthly like science box. Like it would send you, you know, here's that a science experiment. Sense. Yeah, or a yeah. kit or something that you can do. And he would sponsor it, or like they they sponsored it, he would talk about it, and he was probably getting paid a lot of money for those because I'm sure he sold a lot of, of units. And I have no idea what happened behind the scenes, but somewhere in there it went from this monthly subscription box sponsoring his channel to now they're gone, and he has mm. this amazing product called Crunch Labs where they do their own monthly subscription box and like the quality is way better you know you can tell that this is someone who's deeply passionate about it the content is integrated very closely like he'll make this giant nerf gun and or like nerf gun style thing and then make have another version that like and by the way this is what you'll get in the monthly subscription box the smaller version of it yes and then of course he's instead of it being a random sciencey thing, like he's actually teaching the physics concepts behind why this works in videos that accompany yes. it. So a few things that I love about this one, I feel like a billion dollar creator concept is be your own sponsor.
1: Yep. And he exactly. did that.
0: He came in and said, yes. you know, the sponsor's making more money off of this than they're spending, obviously. And the quality isn't as good as I would like. So why don't I increase margins and increase quality? Like hell Yes. Yes. And then the next thing is, this is a recurring revenue business, which one of our mm-hmm. core principles is you got to have recurring revenue. And so at $300 a year, right, he's got this recurring business. And then the last thing about it that I love is he's able to do these deep integrations. Like I've seen people kind of launch something and it just doesn't really fit. Like you can tell yes. when they're like, oh, I should have something that I have equity in. So I guess I'll bolt this on. Yes, And it usually doesn't end up working. And so in this one, you can tell like it's so natural for him to talk pretty constantly about his boxes and it doesn't feel like he's selling because it's such a perfect fit. So I think this is going to be a huge business. I couldn't find any numbers, like not a single thing has been released that I could find about like, they're making 10 million a year or 50 million a year in revenue. But if it's not already you know, tens of millions to 50 million a year plus, I think it will be really soon.
1: Yeah. No, I love that. And I think $300 a year is such a reasonable price. I would 100% pay that, you know, for my kids to have it. And then I have three kids, so I'd pay $900 a year (laughs) for all three of them to be able to participate. But I love the tack on. And you know what that, funnily enough, makes me think of. I feel like that's Be Your Own Sponsor is essentially... What the model is that we're thinking of with charging for the billion-dollar creator mastermind day? Yep, that's true. Because then that mastermind day can sponsor like the video team that we have, the audio team that we have, all of the travel, the venues for the live events. It makes sense, and I think creators have been doing that on some small scale, right? Like who do their own podcast and then they advertise their own products on the podcast. You know, that's one right. example of it. But yeah, this is this is very interesting. I'm sure he's gonna be printing money if he's not already. I mean, he's been on Jimmy I, I, Kimmel. Sounds good. Yeah.
0: He's definitely printing money. I just think it's gonna go like all the way into household, household name even further. There's one yes. other thing that I saw him doing that I was like, oh, this is such an interesting flywheel. Is he's built out Crunch Labs, which is both the company and a physical office space where it has all the things that, you know, anyone would think is super cool of like hidden entrances and, you know, sciency stuff and everything else, a like go-kart track. Yeah. But what he does is, with these crunch boxes, they go out every month he chooses, I think, two or three. And he puts like a Willy Wonka-style golden ticket in them. And mm. if you get that, then you get to come visit the headquarters and he'll make content about that, which then That's wants amazing. people to do it even more. And so you're getting these things where it's like, Dad, buy me this because I might be able to get you know, the golden ticket to come see it. And so it's just an interesting flywheel of how this like feeds itself more. And then he gets content of people enjoying the product more and on from there.
1: Yes. It feels like a closing the loop step by saying, Mm -hmm. I'm going to create content with the kids who are enjoying these physical products, right? They get to come to my headquarters and experience this and then that feeds more people wanting to buy the box wanting to get a golden ticket wanting to watch the videos so it seems like it's a a loop closer you know that golden ticket piece that's really interesting i have been thinking about that and i really want to find more billion dollar creator examples with physical locations because just Mm -hmm. a little preview of what we decided in annual planning we are going to create the first hello seven physical location and that's all i'm going to say i'm not going to say more about it yet But I'm very excited about moving in that direction and having physical locations be part of our model. So I'm interested to see other examples of billion-dollar creators that are using a physical location of some kind as part of their flywheel or their model.
0: I like it. I'm curious to uh, hear more about the physical location. I may or may not have also started looking at physical spaces after I came back from touring so many <laughs> yes. people's like beautiful podcast studios and all of that. Like We went For and met real. with the Dear Media team, and they their office in LA – or not in LA, in Austin is the one we went to. And they just have this insane podcast set up in office. And yes. I was like, someday I'd like to have this. And then I realized, like, wait, I could have this today.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Today is someday. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I have been thinking about having a clubhouse for a very long time. And so I'm like, you know what, it's time to make it happen. Let's go do it. So yeah, so we're working on executing that sometime in 2024. But we've already begun the process. And having podcast studio space is part of the vision as well. Because... I agree with you. I'm like, why am I in my half office, half den right now <laughs> instead of a fabulous studio, you know? So, yeah, time to level up and always.
0: <laughs> I like it. You've had Sheila Johnson on the list for a little while. I'm curious what you've seen from researching her and, uh, you know, takeaways from the the billion dollar creator space from an
1: actual billionaire. Yes. From an actual billionaire who has actually a physical space. So Sheila Johnson is, you know what, let's not do this. You know why? Because I just realized the time.
0: (laughs) Actually that's all the time that we have (laughs) because you and I both looked at the clock and realized we have other things we need to jump to, to run our day-to-day businesses. (laughs) So I think what would be good is we'll kick off another episode talking about Sheila Johnson, who, is a billionaire that we can learn from directly. You know, Billion Dollar Creator lessons from an actual billionaire. We'll do that in the next episode. Yes, can't wait. All right, sounds good. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Billion Dollar Creator. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave us a review. We read every single one. If there is a company you want us to profile on Billion Dollar Creator, Send us a message on social media and we will consider it. Thank you and we will see you next time.